Welcome to 24 Karat Conversations with Phyllis and Rhonda, where two best friends decided to start a podcast on real women, real friendships, and real issues. Our mission Bible verse is Job 23.10. Yet he knows the way I have taken, and when he has tested me, I will emerge as pure gold. We want to encourage, inspire, and offer hope in a world where life can seem to be unrealistic. Be a support for you to cheer you on as a wife, mother, daughter, sister, and friend. Most of all, you get to relax and laugh with us about all things women. Plus, we like all things sparkly. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Hello, 24 Karat Conversations. Welcome back. Hey, peeps. We are super excited today. Um, So kind of funny story. I'm recording in my closet today because uh, (laughs) construction across the street. So that's really awesome. Um, I'm kind of the life of a podcaster. I'm kind of liking the space, though. I'm like, hmm, maybe I should record here for permanently. She's going to put a fridge in there. TV. Like I'm moving into the closet. Exactly. Well, we have a wonderful guest today that I'm going to let Phyllis introduce because she is her friend and uh, co and an author as well on Redemption Press. So, Phyllis, go ahead. Yeah. So I'm so excited. You know, when you meet someone at a conference and you just become like instant buddies, that's what happened to Andrea Nyberg and I. We were both so silly and goofy um, when we met at a conference quite a few years ago now. And, um, and since then we just have stayed in touch. We have done lunches way back in the day when we could, (laughs) um, and we just connected in such a strong way, but I have to say, I'm so excited this morning because last night I got an email from Andrea that she just signed to do her first book with redemption press. And so Andrea's here, she's got a wonderful, um, just a, encouraging story of things that the rough things that we go through with anxiety and depression. And so Andrea, I'm so happy. And it's just so great. Yeah. It's so great that you got to join us and we're a little jealous because she, she's sitting in a nice little (laughs) (laughs) away from home. Yeah. Rhonda's in a closet. I mean, I'm in an office, but like Andrea wins the prize. (laughs) I'm in in front of like a five foot window (laughs) overlooking these beautiful trees. So (laughs) nice. So we're going to just have a good conversation today from all the corners. (laughs) Let's do it. So um, I wanted to start out, uh, Andrea, we always like to start from the beginning. And I just wanted to know, like, what kind of childhood you had growing Mm -hmm. up? Well, I would say to, uh, you know, start off, I would say complicated And I think like what I'm learning as an adult is like, it's learning to see the both and ness of things, you know, there is both beauty and pain. And so I don't want to overshadow the beauty because of the pain. Mm -hmm. And so, um, to kind of give you like my 50,000 foot view, like as an adult now, having gone through therapy, um, I can see now that hurting people hurt people. Mm-hmm. And I think we're all guilty of that. I think, you know, right. like when we're in pain or when we haven't taken care of um, things that are bothering us, they mm-hmm. tend to come out on the people we love the most. So like I experienced a fierce and undying love, you know, from my family. And then I also have pain and I have a very complex um 
situation. My parents are both alive and well, they were very young. Like I was like, you know, teenage pregnancy situation Mm -hmm. and you know, they, they got married and tried and that didn't work out. And so my sister and I, we ended up living with our grandparents for the majority of our childhood and early childhood. So it was kind of complicated. I feel like I've got my biological mom, who's my mom. Then I've got my grandmother who was really a, a big, you know, mother, to me as well. And, um, and she passed away four years ago. And I think that draws, you know, Mm, like when you lose someone, there's just, I don't know, there's so many things, there's questions you wish you could have asked. And, but, um, but learning more about her childhood towards the end of her life, she opened up Mm. a little bit more and, and it just, it doesn't excuse bad behavior, but it certainly explained it. And it just, it allowed me to forgive in a way that I hadn't been able to before. And then it also gave me empathy for her to say that, okay, the bumpy parts of our journey together came out of unresolved pain from your childhood. So it's like, so it's just this process for me of learning that, you know, again, there was a lot of beauty. There was a lot of support. And, um, you know, I was, a I was that kid who was like in every choir and did all the performances. I'm a vocalist. And I mean, my family was at everything I ever did. There was lots of support, but just the social, emotional, that mm-hmm. kind of stuff was difficult sometimes. Cause I think yeah. the generations before now, things like therapy, things like mental health, nobody t- We didn't know how to talk about it. I don't think the science was there. The research wasn't there. Um, Like right now, I feel so thankful and blessed that like I can just go to the therapist, you know, we're coming out of this stigma, but I don't think my grandparents and my parents had that growing up. So again, it's like offering that empathy to be like, okay, you had a lot of baggage and you didn't have anybody to help you unpack it. Right. That's That's so good because the generational thing is what I talk about explicitly because you hit upon two really good things is when you go back and you see how the generations are, you can have empathy and it also doesn't excuse what they've done, but it helps you understand where that pain came from and just continued. And so then that gives you the responsibility to say, that has to stop in this family, right? Yeah. I love that because I try to, that's what I teach in my coaching is I tell these girls, you have to look back to see, it's not like it just started with your mom, or dad, mm. right? Yeah. It, it went way back further. It's been going on for a long time. So I love that. And also back in the day, you couldn't talk about your failures because there was institutions that they would send you to Yep, and have therapy. It was like, you're either crazy mm-hmm. or healthy. So yeah. everything was a secret because it's like, can't talk about that. Like, well, that, that makes so much sense because everybody, mm-hmm. like, I felt like that generation, like my grandparents, maybe your mm-hmm. parents, that was the sweep it under the rug generation, mm-hmm. right? We don't, we don't air our dirty laundry. Oh, it so looked that, pretty that and perfect so on the sense. outside. <laughs> yes. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I think that that's so, you know, that's so true because my father was actually raised by his grandparents. Mm. And when I have discussions with him about it, it's kind of hard for him to talk about, um, you know, the the feelings that he had that his mother, like, let his grandparents raise him, although his grandparents were amazing and they raised him to the best of their ability. 
he still longed for his mom, you know, Mm -hmm. like he still wanted to be attached to that. And so, yeah, I think just being able to understand that there was hurt and that kind of stuff there, that's such a big accomplishment, right? Like, And you're right, hurt people hurt people and they don't even know they're hurt, right? They just are doing what they think is best. So Mm -hmm. thank you for sharing that. That's amazing story. So what age did you start feeling the effects of anxiety and depression? That I really had to do some soul searching and, you know, from like, what, you know, like trying to identify, I think the depression started a little bit earlier and it's hard to know, you know, middle school is when I, that's what I went back to. Like fifth grade was a year for me that was just, and that was more like the peer junk, you know, from, from kids at school. Um, but I do remember, you know, being in high school and, and kind of thinking, I wonder what would happen if I, I'm just going to put it all on the table. So trigger warning, um, like what would happen if my family found me dead? Like what would, would they have loved me more? Would they, you know, like there was this strange, um, fascination with dying because it seemed like the people that died, they were, it's like, they just got elevated to this place of love and respect in a way that it doesn't seem like we do for the living. Does that make any sense? Oh my gosh, that totally makes sense. It's so true. Like sometimes you're just like, well, I wonder what people would say about me. If I just died, they'd probably love me. (laughs) Exactly. It's it's a weird, yeah. It's a weird kind of thought process, but yeah. Yeah, So I can definitely think back to like, you know, early high school, um, and again, like the, the complications of the family dynamics, you know, I think everybody was doing the best they thought they could. Um, and of course that, that leaves a lot, you know, <laughs> to be, there was a lot of room for improvement for everyone, for all of us. Right. So, um, but I think I, I did have a lot of questions, you know, why did my, my parents not raise me? And, um, I think there was this feeling of fear that like, I was kind of getting plopped around, you know, I was with my parents and then I was with my grandparents and um, then I was back with my mom and then back with my grandmother. And I think that just led to this um, insecurity in my identity. I think I had um, some feelings of unworthiness and, um, and I had some, I had something happen in my childhood, um, an instance of sexual abuse where when I said something to, um, a trusted adult, it was shut down. And I think that honestly, for me was one of the, um, most significant identity sealers, you know, what you went through, it's like, they didn't believe me. And then it was like, don't ever tell anybody. So I, I think that that, um, and again, I think that that was a, a way of self-preservation that would, you know, people just didn't know how to deal with stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think that my anxiety and depression, I think I was so prone to, I was lended to that because of that experience. I think that one experience kind of led me to that, those feelings of not feeling worthy, not feeling loved, um, even though I was loved. So I think thinking back, you know, I think my propensity to depression started much younger. The anxiety, I can kind of remember being in in late high school, early college, and all of a sudden it was like things like um, being afraid to take a shower. Like um, like if I was washing my face, I was going to, sorry, trigger warning again, you know, like someone was going to be there to hurt me. 
Um, you know, so I was like imagining like a perpetrator in my home. Mm. And, um, so things like that started happening in my, in my early college years, um, you know, making sure all the doors were locked and all the windows were locked at home. Like, I don't know, I was afraid um, somebody was going to come in and hurt me. Mm -hmm. Um, so, and then it, it just turned into like fear of going over bridges, things that had never bothered me before, but now it was like, I was getting like almost ill, um, going over a bridge thinking something terrible is going to happen. So that, what is the word I'm looking for? It was like catastrophizing everything. Mm -hmm. I noticed that that's what my therapist, (laughs) that's the word for it. Um, so that, yeah, that's when I started noticing it. Wow. Yeah. And also I, the thing that stuck out to me when you were talking about, you know, being taken back and forth between parents and grandparents is, there's no stability there. Mm. So yeah. So that would be something that would, um, kind of stay with you a little bit. I think feeling a little bit of abandonment, you know, like you didn't really belong anywhere. It was kind of, you were in limbo. I just heard abandonment when you were talking. Yeah. Yeah, I think, and that's a tough one. That's a really tough place Mm. to be. Because it's funny. I just wanted to say something to that really quick. It's like, they're there, Mm -hmm. you know, but it, something was missing. Mm -hmm. So it's like, yeah, they were there. I did. I had this feel, this fear of abandonment. Um, even though I was being taken care of at like, you know, the base level and then, you know, some emotional support, but I think that's, what's so complex about it is that it's not that I was abandoned. Right. Right. Anyway, I just wanted to no, I and I think somebody that, out there you, might need you can it. feel lonely in a crowded room. So. Absolutely. Like I think abandonment, people assume that it's somebody who left you. But mm-hmm. I think anytime you've had um, any sort of trauma, you know, abandonment is a very real feeling. I mean, you can feel abandoned by a boyfriend who decided that you weren't enough for him. You know what I mean? Like yeah. All those things are those are pieces of pieces of abandonment, you know. We do that too. Well, there was there's my teenage, you know, romances right there. Yeah, and then and then it just takes you same girl, same. It takes you into more destructive behavior, you know. It just does. Absolutely. Absolutely. Gosh, I think we've all been. I think we've all been through that. And to deny that all of us have been abandoned on a certain level would probably be not being honest with with each other. Agreed. So Andrea, I have a question for you about like, so you're a mom Mm -hmm. and you have, you've struggled with anxiety and depression. And so how do you deal with those kinds of days, um, being a mom and Mm -hmm. being able to be okay with not being okay? Yep. Well, there's kind of several um, pieces of that journey that I want to share with you. So in in early motherhood, that's when everything just hit Mm. the floor, you know, like um, my second, so we have a daughter who's nine and then we have a son who's eight. When he had finished nursing, that's when I just spun. I mean, I went into a deep depression. The anxiety became overwhelming, almost debilitating, um, so here I've got a new, you know, a one-year-old and a three-year-old and it's like, oh, wow. Like the suicide ideations began, you know, like, um, so it was a very, very dark season. And in that moment, I didn't know what was happening to me. I didn't know I had anxiety and depression. I thought, I mean, and this was the feeling, you know, from, from my young, you know, adulthood was it's just me. I'm just broken. Mm -hmm. I, I'm just a mess. Uh, something's just wrong with me. I'm flawed. 
I didn't know there was a word for it. I didn't know it was an actual illness that had treatment options. So I want to start there by saying, I just thought it was me, um, you know? So after, um, uh, when my son had stopped nursing, um, I had a panic attack and it, that comes out so easily, but I don't know, you know, for anyone that's ever experienced one, I legitimately thought I was having a heart attack and my kids were going to wake up from their nap and find me dead on the floor. It was terrifying. I was home alone. Um, you know, the, you know, it was amazing because I, I, I got to my front door, my dog was barking. So I knew the male person was nearby and I just did all I could to get to the front door and scream, um, you know, help. <laughs> and so she calls the fire department. I mean, they're like, it, it was a mess. Um, so that's like how it all started as a mom for me. Like this was like, great, you know, mom of the year over here, you know, like as if I didn't already feel self-conscious about becoming a wife and a mom. And could I even do this? Well, yeah. um, then this is what's happening to me. So it's like, thank you. Um, <laughs> so then because of that, um, uh, I was part of a group called mops yeah. and that is mothers of preschoolers for you that might not be familiar with that word. And it was, um, God just knew he knew um, that even in that moment, I was coming, I wasn't super, um, I didn't have really close friends yet, but I, it was a community of women that I knew I could reach out to. So we had a private Facebook page and I had just posted a couple of weeks before this happened that, gosh, I'm feeling off. Here's some of my symptoms. Here's what's going on. Anybody else, you know? And I swear I saved that thread. I mean, probably 90 comments of like a hands up wow. me too. Mm -hmm. One of the moms, um, who we knew each other, um, she private messaged me and she had just started an internship at the Christian Counseling Center here in San Jose. And she said, you know, I don't know what exactly is going on, but it just sounds like, you know, you, when you want to reach out for help, here are the names of three of the women that I've been working with since my interning here. And just so you have it in your back pocket. And then little did I know two weeks later, I was going to be in this, you know, terrifying situation and so they rush you to the ER and they run all the tests. And then of course, everything comes back and they're like, look at the Nothing's thing. wrong. You're fine. Yeah. And then they're like, like I'm not fine. They're like, ma'am, are you just stressed? I wanted to really punch that woman. I, <laughs> yeah, I have a one and a three-year-old. Of course I'm stressed. Like, need a bath or something. Like, you're fine. <laughs> but like. I've had to do, I've had to do some soul searching for these poor ER doctors. Like their job is to make sure I am not about to fall on the floor and die. Exactly. But like, it was just disappointing that they didn't like, they didn't have the lingo to say, ma'am, I think you right. had a panic attack or an anxiety yes. attack. I think maybe reaching out to psychiatry. Um, but so when they did say psychiatry, of course, my brain goes to, I'm not crazy. Right. You're like, please don't hold me on a 5150 right now. Okay. <laughs> right. So even though, yeah. like, even with, even if they had said that, I don't think I would have reached out. I, I was, yeah. you know, I didn't understand. I had all the stigmatized, you know, uh, predispositional thoughts about that. And so, yeah. but after doing the ER thing. And then I, I sat down with my doctor that, that next early that week. And, you know, she just wanted to start me on a, on a medication. And I was like, I am just not ready. Like, this is all just, I don't understand what's happening. So I, I looked up that Facebook message from my friend and I made an appointment with that therapist. And let me tell you what happened. Like we had a brief conversation on the phone before um, I, I set my appointment 
And so when I sat down in her office, she just handed me a piece of paper and she said, I just want you to look this over and just see if anything resonates with you. And I mean, friends, it was literally like, check, 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 you know, and it was generalized anxiety disorder. Mm -hmm. And then of course we got into, as we started talking, you know, the, the, the depression was definitely prevalent there. Um, so I feel like I'm just going all off, but that just was my journey. So the gift of therapy, my friends. Yeah. So like being in that office and I went week after week for an entire year, uh, a year and a half actually. And it wasn't until a, a full year into it that I even gave medication a chance because I was terrified of the side effects. I was already feeling suicidal. So, I mean, have any of you seen a antidepressant commercial yeah, right. recently? <laughs> you okay. might commit suicide. Here's okay. so, a taking it. side effects and you might kill yourself. Yeah. You know, yeah. Sign me up for that. You know, be so, careful when you take that. But I'll, I'll tell you, I had this beautiful conversation with my mother-in-law and we were, we were sitting down and I was telling her like, I'm terrified. And mm -hmm. she just said, Andrea, you are not doing this alone. We will come mm -hmm. and check on you every day. Like we'll do whatever we need to. Um, and so that was a turning point for me. And I remember sitting down with my therapist, you know, again, like we had had this conversation a million times and it was just this moment of like, okay, Andrea, we've talked about everything that could go wrong. Mm -hmm. Let's talk about what could go right. And so when I started the medication, this is moving into the second phase, then the fog lifted, like that fight or flight that just never turned off, slowed down. And I was like, oh my gosh, I can see, I can breathe, I can think. Um, and it was just like that, the medication gave my body whatever chemical it was missing yeah. to function so that then I could start putting into practice what I was learning in therapy. Mm. You know what I mean? And then, yeah. and then go back to, to prayer because I was like, I was praying like a crazy person. That was a, that was not intended. Okay. <laughs> Good choice of words. Hey, after we're talking about, don't call me crazy. Um, I mean, I was praying nonstop. Yeah. And I just felt yeah. like my prayers were falling on deaf ears mm -hmm. and I was asking God to heal me. And he wasn't. And it, it was just like, you know, hindsight is 2020 that I was praying and God was like, here's a friend here's a therapist. Hey, can we, I, I just have to stop you right there because you said something huge, because I feel like in Christian circles, mm -hmm. we pray and we ask God for things with the intention of it being our outcome. And he's like, Hey, give you an answer, uh, but you're not listening. So I think that that is so important because God gave us doctors and therapists to help Amen. us journey through tough things. He knew this life was not going to be easy. And so I think, you know, we like to stigmatize in the Christian community and I'm, I'm tired of it. Like, to be really honest, right. like, you know, we have been, we've a bunch of people in church that are waiting for everything to be prayed away when God has given us tools and resources and to, and you know, people and other, yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> other thing, other situations that can change. It's, it's talking about taking action. Mm -hmm. Um, yes. You can't sit in your prayer closet, Rhonda. <laughs> I'm literally in my closet. <laughs> um, but I mean, yeah, you're in your closet there. But yeah. Open your eyes. Right. Like, there's this verse in the He's Bible showing like, you. Open your eyes and show mm -hmm. me. Like the, it's because it's not what I was looking for. Right. It wasn't right. the answer I thought was going to be the right. answer. Right. Or maybe the answer you wanted because exactly. you exactly. I think you know 
with medication, it's, I remember my mom telling me, cause I had a pretty severe panic attack a couple of years ago. And I remember my mom telling me like, you need to get on medication. Like, it's okay. Like it's okay to be on it for a little while. And then, you know, then you can wean off or whatever, you know, luckily for me, I didn't need to get on it, but mm. at that moment that the panic yeah. attack was pretty, pretty great. I had never had anything like that before. And it is really scary. Like you feel completely out of control in your own body and you feel like you're going to die. Like I felt like I was going to die. <laughs> so yeah, I, I had, um, I wanted to kind of segue to, I know, um, cause I know you personally, I know that over the years you've had to adjust that medication, mm-hmm. been really honest, like in posts and things saying like, um, you were on this new medication and it was kind of like taking you down a crazy road. I'm using the word crazy. again. I know. Friend. There's no way around it. No. Girl, we you all crazy. feel crazy. You yeah, feel crazy. But, I, um, I thought that was really another really important mm. thing to bring up just to mention. Um, what I loved is your honesty and saying, whoa, this medication, I had to switch this medication and it's, uh, they're trying to level it out. Yes. And that takes a while, right? To get to yes. the to the right levels for your body. So it's not a one size fits all kind of thing. And, it, and just to let people know it's a journey because you'll start off on a medication, but maybe that's not the right kind or it's too much. And so you have to be trusting of the person you're working with, right? To, to let be honest with them and say, I don't like the way this make, makes me feel, or this is making me more anxious, or this is numbing me out or whatever, whatever. Yes. Right. So um, I think that's important to know that that's a journey in itself to find that good level place where for you and your body, that medication is going to work and what kind. Yes. Yes. You said it. It's a journey, you know, because the first time I started medication, I ended up in the ER (laughs) because I had, you know, just some, some crazy side effects, but I I couldn't give up because my body was not functioning without it. And so this has been, uh, six years now for me. And I think that I'm going to be one of those people that has to be on it for a lifetime. Mm-hmm. And I have had to come to peace with that. I've had to grieve that. You know, I've tried several mm-hmm. times working with my doctor and my psychiatrist to say, okay, I want to try, you know, and it just hasn't worked for me. Yeah. And yeah, mm-hmm. you're right. I'm so glad you brought that up because I think that is another piece. It's like, you're hoping that's yeah. going to be the salvation and it, it yeah. ends up being another trial, yeah, but right. yes, stick with it. So it. worth it. And, it's and you said something about chemically too, is like, you know, you're saying you have to be on it forever. And we have to understand like, you know, going into technicals and stuff, the brain reacts to different triggers and things in it. And so those medications actually make your brain whole. Right. Yes. And so it's important that people know that it's not a deficit that you may have to take that forever. It's actually saving your life. It's yes. more a whole person. So exactly. Yeah. Just like I take my thyroid medication every day, cause that doesn't produce enough, you know, thyroid right. hormone and, you know, so it's like, but again, I, I have to grieve that sometimes as well. So I think it's just a process mm-hmm. of like being honest with yourself and with your yeah. doctor yeah. Um, and, and being an advocate for yourself. I think that, you know, like mm-hmm. do your homework and, you know, there were some medications that I wish I hadn't started because I didn't realize how hard it was going to be to transition off of them, yeah. you know, but you know, again, it's yeah. a journey. It's a journey. I did want to go back and answer your question though, to sum up the, what do I do as a mom, you know, with my young kids when I fail, 
um, through therapy, through that whole journey and um, all that, I have learned to embrace a both and mindset. It's slow coming. I have to, you know, remind myself every day that I'm both. And I am both a mom who fails miserably (laughs) most every day, but I am also a mom who can own my mistakes and ask for forgiveness and make better choices, set myself up with the tools that I need. You know, and I, I, God is teaching me through my failures that that is actually one of the best gifts I can give to my children mm-hmm. is to learn how to own your stuff yes. and say you're sorry. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Amen. Men and amen. Yes. And not just, I'm sorry. And I'm going to keep doing it again and again. And even though right. I'm, not, like, I'm sorry, but I'm going to therapy, I'm sorry. And I'm taking care of myself. I'm, you know, yeah. I'm trying to do, you know, I'm not just sitting back and not changing anything. Right. I'm, I'm taking active steps. And I'm also helping my kids because like my daughter has, unfortunately, she's showing a propensity to to anxiety. She, she has all, you know, she has some panic attacks sometimes. And that is so painful because it's like, it's all my fault. (laughs) It's all my fault. And it's like, okay, this obviously runs in my family. It's probably Mm -hmm. hereditary, you know? Mm -hmm. So again, it's both. And I feel like that, that mindset, and that's like, you know, God giving me that word of reframing things Mm -hmm. like that has helped me. And it will be a perpetual process. That's a lifelong process. Just like the journey of medication, just like being whatever we want to be better at. It takes our whole life. We're always going to be learning more, growing more. That's so good. So you talked about reframing and I know you have a Facebook page called motherhood reframed. So just briefly about that group. Yeah. So I started that group recently um, because I am, I'm writing a book right now. So as you mentioned at the top of the hour, I just signed on with Redemption Press to, to write this book because when I first started sharing about my journey, you know, I looked up and I looked out and I saw all the faces of the, and the hands going up of me too, me too. And God was like, Andrea, we're going to keep sharing this message. We're going to bring hope and solidarity to those women who feel alone. They're Christians. They know Jesus, but they're like, how do I know Jesus and his, the hope of his salvation yet feel hopeless? How do I have the power of the Holy Spirit yet feel powerless? So this group is um, a group to just invest and have those, those a safe space to have those hard conversations around faith and mental health, and also mm-hmm. to help me craft and mold this book in, in the most relevant way I can to the women I'm ministering to. That's awesome. I love that because I, you know, reframed, it's like, yeah, we, we, none of us do it perfect. You know, we're not given a handbook at the beginning of, you can have the, the greatest, <laughs> the greatest parents or the worst parents. None of us know what we're doing when we become parents. So I think a lot of women, um, again, have a stigma of like, I'm supposed to do it this way and I'm not supposed to make mistakes and, you know, perfection, but I mean, God is such redeeming your story um, by doing this book. I'm so excited. Yeah. And the Facebook group, is it a private group? It is a private group. um, And and I have like, I have a public Facebook group. That's just my page, Andrea M. Nyberg. But this is more, you know, you just have to answer a couple of questions because we do want it to remain that safe. um, Of course. That safe community. But yeah. So what are two things that you would encourage someone who is listening to reframe their day? Um, The first thing I would say is that you can love Jesus and need a therapist. Amen. (laughs) Okay. One does not negate the other. Mm -hmm. And I think just as we talked about earlier, that 
Um, I think many times that is how God, the Lord is answering our prayers. So don't be afraid of that. Um, the second thing is, is that practice makes progress. It does not have to be perfect. We're never going to arrive. We are always going to be on this journey, but practicing and gathering the tools you need, you know, to be as healthy as you can to take care of yourself first, mm -hmm. then you pour out and you, and then you're taking care of others as you go. Right. And, you know, I know we, I know I, I felt like, I wish I could just run away and go to like a cabin in the woods so that I could do my healing and then come back and be all better. And that's just not how it works, but practice makes progress. Like taking little steps every day, you know, going to your therapist, eating well, taking care of yourself, going to sleep on time, you know, like those little things will add up, removing the stigmas around medication, all that, all that is progress. Absolutely. Good. Oh, that's so awesome. And last but not least, our signature question, <laughs> your 22 year old self. <laughs> this one was like, I, I've been thinking about this for a long time. I think, I think what I would say is don't stay a victim. Mm. And so it's a dead end, my friend. It's a dead end. And I think I stayed in a victim mentality. I didn't realize that's what I was doing, but I think realizing again, I wish that therapy was an option because I would have been like, girl, go to therapy, like go see somebody. But again, when you don't understand what's happening to you, you, you know, you don't have a word for it. But again, don't stay a victim, um, own what's yours, but then recognize what's not yours and mm -hmm. make peace with, you know, like, so what, what is yours, you know, because even though like, so hurting people hurt people. So like, we all make that mistake. So even mm -hmm. though like our caregivers hurt us, we then go on and, and, you know, make unhealthy choices. So mm -hmm. own what's yours, work with a therapist to do that. Um, or a counselor, a friend, a, a pastor, a life coach, any of those options. Um, and then identify what is not yours and let that be the responsibility of their person. Forgive. Right. Forgiveness is not forgetting. It's not excusing it, but it's letting you mm -hmm. off the hook. So that's not eating you. Yeah. Um, yeah. And then it's, it's allowing, it's freeing you up to make your own progress so that you can be healthy and you can help those around you embrace a healthier lifestyle. Oh my God. So good. Such a great conversation, Andrea. Like, thank you so much for being on. Where can they find you on social media and how can they connect with you? Absolutely. So my website is just my name, Andrea M, like Michelle Nyberg at uh, .com, Andrea M Nyberg .com. I'm on Instagram and Facebook at that same handle. I'd love for you to join me on uh, my, my Facebook group. If you sign up for my newsletter, you get a free um, guide to managing your mood. Um, and I just love for you to keep up with my, my publishing journey. Oh my gosh. Well, thank you so much for joining us today. And it was such a pleasure me. to have you on. And 24 Carat Tribe, thank you for joining us. And until next time, sparkle on. Bye, Bye. Peace. Bye.